On this edition of Hoosology, we welcome co-host of the Complex Sports Podcast, Zion Olajede. Zion brings his unique insight on the trending topics of the league. He discusses his love for the Brooklyn Nets and their chances of reaching the NBA Finals this year. Then Matt presents his trending topics in the league. And then Matt and I discuss our picks for this year's All-Star Starters. And now, Zion Olajede. He is one of the hosts of the Complex Sports Podcast. We welcome Zion Olajede onto Hoopsology. How's it going, Zion? Hey, how are y'all doing, man? Appreciate y'all having me. Thanks for joining us, Zion. Um, Wanted to lead off kind of with your thoughts of the season overall. I mean, we know how the bubble went and we were able to avoid coronavirus spreading in the NBA. Obviously, this season, a different story. I mean, as things have spiked around the country, it's kind of mirrored in the NBA. What are your thoughts so far of the 2020-2021 regular season? Um, I mean, for me, I think... I think I'm a little surprised at the the fact kind of like, although they've had their certain outbreaks with certain teams like the Wizards and a few other teams, I'm I'm still kind of surprised that the NBA got into this point without that big of an issue. Like, obviously, you're going to have your cases every now and then out there being a bubble and whatnot. But, I mean, I think Shams just reported – this week that, I mean, since the last update, there's only been one new case. So, I mean, I'm kind of surprised the fact, you know, they're not in a bubble and they're still, you know, being able to play the majority of their games. Absolutely. And so would you say it's, it's probably not dramatic enough, like at least to this point that you would buy the notion that some people are saying that like, this is an asterisk season or, or something like that. You feel like you're still getting good competitive basketball. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, uh, I I don't think there's any asterisk behind it as of right now. Um, I mean, I don't think there ultimately there will be, but like realistically, look at the standings. I mean, I mean, besides a few outliers like the Heat, obviously they they're not playing to the standards because they're not they didn't have the roster, and I mean maybe the Raptors because they're playing in Tampa and that's uncertain circumstances. I mean. Mm-hmm for pretty much everything else is normal. Like the Lakers are, are, are great. The Clippers are great. The Sixers are, I mean, the roster coming into the season, I expected them to be somewhere near the top and they're at the top. I mean, obviously the Nets are what they are now. Um, Celtics are still good. So I feel like it's still, we're still getting the basketball that we would have saw outside, you know, um, with fans and then normal um, normal circumstances, but there are a few outliers, of course. For sure. Zion, um, you brought up the Brooklyn Nets a little second ago, and I, I want to focus on them. Now that we have mm. some actual games to just really dissect how they mesh as a team, what are your thoughts on like, this new big three, and do you see them as a threat to win the title despite you know how mediocre they are defensively? I mean, <laughs> this is a, this is going to be a very biased view for me because I am a Nets fan and I I'm a I've been a Nets fan before like Brooklyn and when since they've been in New Jersey so like this all this all for me is is new um kind of being looked at as the hunted instead of hunting <laughs> um mm-hmm. so like for me right now I'm excited I'm just excited that the fact that Kevin Durant and James Harden 
and uh, Tyree Irving are on our team and leading our team. That's just a blessing in itself. Um, obviously, there's a lot to work out. There's a lot. I'm not gonna lie. Um, defensively, they've been they struggled, um, and I think that that will be shored up with some time and with some acquisitions. Uh, I know Sean Marston and Dunn, um, but I mean realistically, they've had they haven't practiced that many times. Maybe like two 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 times at this point. And I mean, offensively, they still seem to. I mean, at the end of the day, they're going to be. Ultimately, they should be the best offense in the NBA by the end of the season. I mean, I I don't think that should be a question. Um, but you know, I've liked what I saw so far. I mean, even last night, um, with Kate, uh, Kyrie and Harden, that was like the best I've seen of them meshing. Um, and you know, the role players came to play as well without KD. I mean, scoring 147 points. That's a glimpse of what they can obviously not do nightly, but the realistic, you know, view of their offense. So they're gonna they're gonna score at will, and eventually when they all get on the same page, I think it's gonna be scary. So Zion, since you you mentioned you're a hardcore fan of the Nets, um, I want to pose this question to you because we had a guest on last week, and he's from the New Jersey mm-hmm. area, and we were discussing. Okay, now that the Nets have this big three, and the Knicks have just really fallen off over really the past like 20 years, um, with the Barclays Center opening fairly recently um, last decade, there seems to be an opening for like a team overtaking the Knicks as the main, um, I guess, team in New York. So I guess when I ask, because compared to like the, the LA discussion between the Lakers and Clippers, that's pretty ridiculous. I mean, the Lakers have the lineage. There's just no way. But with the Knicks, you know, our guest was just going over how really overrated the franchise has been through through the years. And with Brooklyn, just with these big three, if they mesh in, they happen to be together for a certain amount of time. You, you can build off of that no matter what happens with the team due to their prestige. So I guess I pose this question to you. Do you see Brooklyn perhaps just overtaking the Knicks as the number one team in new york over time if things go according to plan <laughs> well my, my my quick uh just question for y'all is where where are y'all from albuquerque new mexico okay yeah that makes sense because even though it hurts me to say it the knicks will always run new york mm. not run new york not run new york but the knicks will own new york as the face of basketball. It, it just, it's hard to erase the history and the passion of Knicks fans that they've built up for so long. It's just like, it's a, it's nearly impossible to erase that. So like, even now, I mean, if you check Twitter, you're going to see even the, the with the newspapers now, the Nets scored 147 points last night. And mm-hmm. that was a record, like in regulation for, for a team like that. And the Knicks are still on the back cover. Like the Knicks are still the back cover newspapers getting all the headlines because because of Emmanuel quickly like over Kyrie and Harden like that's just the nature of the city. It's always going to be that way. I think the way it may the only chance the Nets have of kind of like making a dent in it and it becomes maybe fifty fifty is if they win one or two titles and. I think if that happens, New York tends to rally around teams that win championships. Um, and I think if that happens, they have a chance. But realistically, uh, it's it's a, it's as bad as you mentioned the Lakers and Clippers. It's kind of as bad as that. Just that the Lakers, obviously the Lakers win, but the Knicks just 
the fans are so passionate and the franchise is so deep within the city. Like it's, it's hard. It's hard to beat them. And I, I just mentioned that because I've heard like other known Knicks fans like Michael Rappaport just like talk with such disgust about the New York Knicks, even though he's a fan of theirs. <laughs> and just like, I think he was on a recent podcast with like all the smoke and he's just saying like, now I like, I follow the Warriors and I follow these other teams. And I just don't really give a crap about the Knicks. So I just seem like there's a lot of disdain and just like anger just due to what's yeah. happened with the Knicks recently. So that's why I just bring that up in terms of maybe there's just an opening. It seems every, all the pieces are aligned for, you know, Brooklyn just to kind of take that shine away. Yeah. Here's what I say about Knicks fans. They love to kill their own team. They love to kill their own team. But it's when other people start killing them that they defend the Knicks like crazy. That's that's mm. just the nature of Knicks fans. Like they they want to be the ones to <laughs> to slander their team. They're not gonna let anybody else slander them. Awesome. The uh, another question uh, I wanted to ask you about is a, a team that Justin and I have talked about a lot that's going to be contending with those nets, um, you know, most likely in the playoffs would be uh, the Philadelphia 76ers. I, I wanted to get your thoughts. We, we know Joel Embiid is right now, it seems the favorite to win the MVP. Of course, things can change and we know there's injury history, things like that. But, uh, you know, assuming he can keep his performance up, I guess one of the, the main questions Justin and I have had is if, if we think Ben Simmons can elevate his game to make them a legitimate contender in the East, what do you think of kind of Ben Simmons and his development? Maybe um, if, if he has any more room to grow to a higher ceiling as a player. And do you think the 76ers are like legit title contenders this year? Um, I mean, me personally, I, I it's always tough with them because I think obviously right now they're clicking. And I did say coming into this year, I think if there was a roster that would work best with Embiid and Simmons, I think it's this one just because mm. they're surrounding them with uh, Seth Curry, Danny Green, Tobias. Now they have shooters around them for once, consistent shooters. Um, I think that opens everything else up. Um, with Ben Simmons, I don't know. I mean, I think – obviously I think he has – the ceiling is, is high. Like the ceiling is incredibly high. I think obviously we all know the jump shot. When is he going to incorporate? And I think it's, it's not even the three point jump shot. We don't need to see the three point jump shot yet. I think if he develops any type of mid range consistently, I think that opens the game up dramatically. Um, like, I just think that, that, mm -hmm. that first would open up, you know, their offense even more. And I think kind of make them unstoppable. And I think, you know, Embiid, this is great. I, I love seeing this. I think that's a, this is the player he's shown, but he hasn't shown consistently. But come playoff time, the the problem with Embiid is he doesn't want to touch the paint in the playoffs. Like, he, he starts to reel off in playoff series. He'll, he'll start to reel off games where he's attempting six, seven threes, and obviously he's not an efficient three-point shooter, and it's just playing into the, the team's game plan, and they, they uh, teams tend to beat him off that. But I think I think if there, if this were, if there was a year for them to, to make it, it would be this year. Um, just because even, I mean, even as a Nets fan, we don't have anybody to guard and beat. I mean, DeAndre Jordan can hold his own for a good five minutes. Um, we pick up two fouls, we're done. I mean, with the roster we have now, unless we get Andre Drummond somehow or 
or JaVale McGee, um, I don't think, you know, we're built to stop and be, but I, I think also next year with a, with an off season and a year for us to prepare when I say us, the Nets, um, I think the Nets are going to dominate the East next year, but I don't know. I think they're, they're, their window is right now, and I think they have a team to compete and maybe get to the finals and maybe even compete with the Lakers. Um, we saw what they did the other night, um, even though I think the Lakers are coasting this season. But, you know, we'll see with them. How much do you credit their success to, like, new front office with Daryl Morey and Doc Rivers? I mean, last year, you know, Doc Rivers kind of got roasted on, on the way out of the Clippers, maybe rightfully so, with what happened uh, in the second yeah. round of the playoffs there. Do you think – that I mean, I know they have some new role players. Obviously, that roster does look pretty different compared to last year. But with the two main players mm. being kind of the same, do you tend to, I guess, uh, attribute their success more to that leadership or role players? I mean, I, you know, it's impossible to maybe attribute a, a percentage to it. But um, what do you think of the the job Doc has done this year? Um. See that's tough because I think I think even with the Sixers struggles in the past, I think the big thing a big factor has been health. Um, I mean, we saw it in mm. the bubble, Ben Simmons getting hurt, um, and obviously Embiid has had his uh, problems with being healthy. Um, I mean, realistically, the team with Jimmy Butler, if Kawhi, you know, they're they're one shot. One bad shot away from you know making it to the finals. Well, well, one shot. we well, basically one possession away from making it to, to the finals or the East. Was that the Eastern Conference Finals or the um the semifinals? I'm blanking right now. Um, I think the semifinals last year, right? I uh, <laughs> I'm trying to blank too. <laughs> I have to get out the Google. Right. With the Kawhi shot, but whatever they were, they were um. I thought that was the year, even against the Raptors, that, that they probably should have won that series, could have won that series. Um, but I think the biggest thing with them is just staying, staying healthy. Um, I know Doc, obviously, is a new coach, and Maury's there now. But, I mean, I wouldn't even necessarily put all the – or give them too much credit just because I feel mm. like the Sixers are finally healthy and they finally have good pieces around. Like, so many years that they, they haven't surrounded Ben Simmons and – and be with consistent shooters um, and shooters that can kind of compete defensively. Well, not Seth Curry, but like Danny Green. Um, but I think I think it's a little bit it's a little bit of everything um, outside of Rivers and Maury. I mean, Maury made those deals, so Maury too. But I definitely think uh, them being healthy is the biggest factor. Zion, I wanted to get your thoughts on another narrative that's been going on. I would say this season more prominently it's been happening for years, mm. but I feel like it's more in the spotlight. And that's with the older generation and the younger generation. Uh, I'm sure you caught the Shaquille inter- interview with Donovan Mitchell. Um, and then just Shaq <laughs> with just, you know, JaVel McGee and Dwight Howard. And I get overall just inside yeah. the NBA in terms of, I guess them feeling like they have to mentor other players and just compared to mm-hmm. like with Anthony Davis with, you know, him dealing with LeBron, just, you know, there's like very, very much like a mentor, like apprenticeship relationship between those two, I guess, I guess, mm-hmm. how do you feel about just, I guess the old heads like Barkley and Shaq just dealing with like brutal honesty and kind of the younger players just 
being, lack of a better term, pissed off by the way they're phrasing it. Do you think like the yeah. the older generation just has a right to say that, or do you think that like Shaq and Charles Barkley should choose their words more carefully? Um, I think it's a little bit of both. Not to not to be a cop out. I mean, Shaq, Shaq. You know, people have Shaq does have this reputation of kind of you know being unnecessarily. Uh, what's the word brutal towards players i feel like um i mean even specifically with the donovan mitchell thing um i mean that was kind of from my point of view that was kind of unnecessary it's not needed um i mean it, i didn't think he, the, the approach he took was the, the correct way of kind of doing that in a way but if you wanted if your goal was to motivate him but um i do think it's a lot of you know it's the disconnect between the generations. Obviously, I feel like my generation, my, I think I'm in the Donovan Mitchell generation because we are younger that way. But I think we just react to things differently than they would have reacted to things when they played. So I think it's kind of their, uh, Charles and Shaq's ignorance of how the younger generation reacts to things nowadays is, is what kind of plays into that. And I mean, I, I think, I think, in all honesty, sometimes it's them just hating. <laughs> Shaq, Shaq, is, Shaq is one to take things a little personally and sensitive. Uh, he likes reminding people of his greatness and how good he was. Um, but, you know, sometimes he tries to make it a lot about himself where it's not really – it doesn't have to be about him. Um, I mean, Gobert, his, his little thing with Gobert was – a little bit unnecessary too, I feel like, but, mm-hmm. um, I mean, he wasn't wrong. I think, I don't think he was wrong. Like for me, I think Gobert has still a lot to prove in his game, even though he is 28 and the defense player of the year. Uh, I'm not totally convinced with Rudy Gobert, but, um, sometimes you just don't need to say it. And I don't think Shaq and Chuck really care though. They don't have a filter. So I think they're just going to continue being them and just live with the results. I agree. Zion, does it change your perception of those players' legacies at all? I mean, not certainly what they did on the court, but how does it kind of shape your mind when you think back to like Barkley and Shaq in their playing days? Um, I mean, Shaq is still one of my favorite players of all time. Um, I said the other day on a podcast, like he, he and Kobe kind of introduced me to the game of basketball. Um, so like, I don't think I'm ever going to, you know, mix Shaq the announcer compared to Shaq, um, Shaq the player. Um, the same thing goes for Chuck. I don't think, you know, I'm able to separate their two careers, even though I do think Chuck, you know, the ring, the ring bites at him and, bites at him not having a ring bites at him and he shows it in his second career as an announcer but i don't think i'll ever like mix those two uh, stages of the life together for sure well zion thank you very much for joining the show um please share where our listeners can uh find you on social media and then what you're up to in terms of projects and um, you're plugging your podcast anything else you're doing in the new year this year uh yeah um Everyone can follow me at Z-I-O-N O-L-O-J-E-D-E On Twitter Um, I mean Instagram too If you want to I don't really use Instagram Only every now and then Um, But yeah Check me out on uh, The Complex Sports Podcast Uh, We've had a lot of great guests We just had 
Anthony Davis on. Uh, we got Tyler Hero coming up. Um, and, you know, we've had a lot of great – got great guests in the past, too, to go back on, like uh, Lamar Jackson, uh, just a lot of basketball measures. Um, so definitely check check us out on there. Subscribe. We definitely appreciate when people, you know, reach out, reach out to us about it. But, yeah, um, I mean, I'm a Duke fan. I got a, I got a lot of Duke shows on the way. Um, so if you want to connect with me about Duke basketball too, holler at me. Um, but, yeah, I definitely appreciate y'all for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show, Zion. Really appreciate it. Thanks. Appreciate y'all. Thank you, Zion. Have a good one. You too. Welcome to another episode of Hoopsology. I am Justin Goodrum, joined by Matt Thomas. What's up, man? Hey, Justin. Not too much. Uh, just another beautiful weekend in Albuquerque. Haven't been up to too much lately. Just the usual weekend chores, weekend grind before getting into the work week. What's up with you? Yeah, um, same old, same old. It's kind of like... It's very interesting because, you know, we're recording this a week before the Super Bowl, and it seems like, you know, fans are slowly starting to trickle in um, in terms of sporting events. So hopefully by March, if the the numbers are down with the pandemic, we could see a a nice, like, rebound, you know, in, what is it, um, May or June when the the playoffs start to really kick in the gear. So I'm kind of remain optimistic. Yeah, I hope so. I, I dig it. I love the optimism. I'm kind of <laughs> tired of a lot of the negativity we hear. So yeah, we'll see. We'll hope for the best as always. Agreed. Um, I'd like to thank our guest, Zion Alajede from Complex Sports Podcast for joining us. Um, really appreciate his insight. And we asked, we have also have an interview with um, Adam Taylor um, of Celtics Pod um, at SB Nation coming up later this week. So a lot of good guests to uh, check out and look forward to um, for the, the rest of this week as well. So stay tuned for our podcast feed for that. But um, man, let's get, Matt, let's get down to business. And you have uh, trending topics for this week. Yeah, so just your quickly your quick weekly overview trending teams if if a team is winning or losing three or more games straight, we call that streaking here and we will keep you informed on that. So starting in the Eastern Conference, um, we have the Nets have won their last four games and they're really the only team in that streaking category. But keep an eye on the Hornets. They've won their last two and LaMelo Ball seems to be legit. He's had arguably the best game of his career to this point against the Bucks uh, in the Nets' most recent game. Also had Gordon Hayward hitting a buzzer beater um, to win the the first of those two games on that streak for the Hornets. So good to see him healthy and back in action. Uh, on the losing side, we have the Wizards, the poor, helpless Wizards with Bradley Beal just going off and scoring a ton of points and Westbrook still having close to a triple-double, but it, it really hasn't translated at all to wins on the court. They're at three wins. I believe their overall record is 3-12. and 12. They've lost their last four. Bulls, I'm sorry, Justin, <laughs> have lost their last three. Did you happen to catch that Dame Lillard buzzer beater? I didn't. I heard about it. Didn't catch oh, it. Well, uh, you know, viewer beware. It is the Bulls <laughs> losing, but uh, pretty, pretty incredible uh, last-second shot by Dame Lillard driving the dagger into yet another team at the buzzer. I mean, the, the guy is, you know, maybe an all-star level player. 
he's uh, really building up a rep. I'm being sarcastic here. Uh, the Raptors also have lost their last three games. Uh, moving into the West, the Jazz have built that win streak that we talked about last week. They've built it up to 11 wins. Take that, Shaq. Um, the Grizzlies have won their last six. And maybe the only time this year I'll get to say this, my Rockets have won five straight. James Harden, who? Just kidding. Um, mm-hmm. The Mavericks on the other side of this have lost their last five. They've been in, in trouble lately in spite of Luca always putting up impressive numbers. He needs some more help there. And the Timberwolves, who are, I think, going to be the most frequent team. It's going to be between them and the Wizards, the most frequent uh, losing streakers. They have lost their last three. So that is your trending topics for this past week. Yeah, very interesting. It had some hope for the Bulls. Um, they were riding a little bit of a winning streak, I believe, last week, but uh, came back to earth. So just, just gonna, um, keep that in mind and not get uh, super excited. when. Hey, quick thoughts. Uh, yeah, sure. I, I know we didn't put this in the notes, but since no, we're on the me. Bulls, real quick, yeah. what, you as a Bulls fan, what would you think of the Bulls trading Zach Levine? He's been in rumored trade talks the – Knicks apparently are keeping an eye on his status with the Bulls. What would you think of, what are your thoughts on Zach Levine as a Bulls fan? And would you like to see that happen? I think with Zach Levine, I'm not like others. I think I see potential in him. With the Knicks, I don't understand the move because they're building. Like for the first time, they're building through the draft. So getting somebody through a trade that... You know, it's been in a league for a long time. That is, seems such like an old school Knicks move. So for the Knicks, I think it's stupid. It's so weird. Because Me too. I actually like him on Chicago, and I like where the team is going. Um, it's kind of we'll have to wait and see what's Laurie marketing going on. I think this season it's a little bit of an outlier due to games being canceled, and it's it's a first year coach. I'm willing kind of just to have the team mesh wins and losses is not super important i just don't want to see them just getting destroyed every single game but if they're showing competitive spirit there's some optimism like i saw when the bulls were starting to rise around 2003 you know with those teams with uh kirk heinrich and ben gordon and Andres nocioni like they weren't the most talented but you can see them being competitive and start to be in like that 10th ninth spot and then make the playoffs mm. and so I think here with with the Bulls, if I'm seeing that type of progression, I'm willing to weigh it out rather than just trading him for some just, I don't know, useless Knicks players. I'm not really interested in that. So especially with this season, it's weird because you can talk about like, should it be a asterisk on this season or not? We've asked our guests about that. It's, I think, yes and no. I think it depends on the team. I think in terms of who wins the title? No. However, I don't think you should, in terms of the team's performance, I think factoring in rhythm, factoring in how many games are canceled due to COVID, that's a, that's a massive factor. So mm-hmm. just to say, hey, you know, the Bulls were trash this season. We didn't make some drastic changes. I think you really have to factor the pandemic into that. Um, so... Not a great time to be I'm, making big no. franchise changing decisions, maybe. I don't think so, unless there's like a nice package. If there's a nice trade package, I, I guess I'd be open to it. But just to get rid of them, I, I'm not truly interested in that at that point. 
That's my, mm-hmm. that's my opinion. Yeah. yeah, and I, I don't really know what they would give. I, I would think the only piece that Chicago would be in, well, two pieces that I don't know if the Knicks even want to give away. I mean, for one, RJ Barrett, I think I would do that move in a heartbeat if, if I were the Bulls, but I don't think the Knicks are dealing him. Uh, and then the other one would be Julius Randle, which he, he has impressive numbers this season, but I, I'm not sure there that I, I fire the trigger on that if I'm the Bulls and I have Laurie Markinen. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's get into our next topic, and that is the All-Star Game. And we have our kind of uh, East-West starter predictions, but I want to give some news in terms of what is happening with this game itself. And mm-hmm. this comes from um, ESPN. I'm just going to be a little bit boring here um, in terms of reading this off, but I think it's important information. Um, so this is from ESPN. Um, the NBA announced that All-Star voting for this season will begin on Thursday at noon. So last Thursday, we're recording this on a Sunday, um, January 31st. So this past Thursday, and now we'll conclude at midnight on February 16th. Uh, fans can submit one full ballot each day through either the NBA app, which it has gone through an upgrade. It looks pretty cool, by the way, or mm-hmm. NBA.com throughout the voting period, or they can vote up to 10 unique players per day on Twitter. There will also be five days, January 30th, February 2nd, February 4th, February 13th, and February 16th, when the votes count twice. Very interesting. In the same announcement, um, the NBA said discussions surrounding a potential all-star game are ongoing. And then Woj from ESPN says there's appear to be some momentum to host a game um, in Atlanta. He says, quote, the NBA and the NBA Players Associations are discussing the possibility of holding an all-star game in early March, possibly in Atlanta. And then Chris Paul, um, he is the NBPA president, um, says he's been a proponent of this idea which will allow for a game to financially benefit historically black colleges, universities, and COVID-19 relief. Um, Turner Sports, which has the rights to the game, um, is headquartered in Atlanta. It makes sense. There's been discussions um, using the um, State Farm Arena um, for the Atlanta Hawks or a HBCU campus gymnasium, sources say. So this is pretty uh, fascinating just to see how they would go about it, whether it be an all-star weekend. I think... To me, I'd rather just see them play the game. I think All-Star Weekend, in terms of the three-point and the slam dunk, that's such a spectacle for people, right? You're, mm. It's the crowd that makes it. It's yeah. just the anticipation. And not having that there, I just think it's pretty hollow. And, you know, you know, guys are weird being participating in these contests. I just, you know, give them a year. Just give them a year off and just play the um, All-Star game, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So, so what's your what's your opinion on that? Um, should they not even have a game? Should they still move on forward with the game? Should they do a full All Star Weekend? What's your feelings on that? Yeah, I guess it depends on on what the attendance that that is allowed uh, when they get to the the game uh, and that that All Star Weekend overall. Uh, I think what you mentioned there, I, I would tend to agree with, and I think that you know in every year kind of the main thing with NBA fans is complaining about the dunk contest. Like no matter what happens, Mm -hmm. it seems like the thing for all-star weekend is you complain about the dunk contest. And in most cases, you also complain about the all-star game. It's that tired old narrative, like "Eh, the players aren't even trying. Why are we even doing this? So I think by taking a year off, you could also think of this as absence makes the heart grow fonder. You come back, 
bigger and better with a dunk contest and a three-point contest, skills challenge, whatever you want to throw in there uh, for 2022. Um, and I think you're right. It, from a viewership angle too, it, it just would play really, really awkwardly to shoot this three-point contest in a very quiet gym. I mean, even if you have like let's say 5,000 fans in attendance, which would be uh, a very high estimate, not even a conservative estimate where we are right now, in my opinion, um, it's still going to feel weird. So I would rather make this a great TV event. People have talked about canceling the All-Star game altogether. I think the compromise is you do the All-Star game because we've had basketball games. So that's already kind of a precedent that's been set that we're okay with. Or, or at least the NBA is okay with. Um, but to also reduce the amount of players coming in, traveling into the same spot and everything, you get rid of the skills challenge, the three-point yeah, contest, agreed. the dunk contest. I, I like your plan there. Yeah. Um, so, man, let's hop into our all-star uh, predictions. And, yeah. you know, this is interesting just because of the, the season we're at. And, you know, Steph Curry has been, you know, gone. And now he's back, and he certainly the league has changed, and we're we're in this kind of weird season in terms of games being postponed because of the pandemic. So maybe these stats are skewed, maybe they're not. And I just want to kind of share um, the NBA.com's um, West starters is so weird because the website's putting out this. <laughs> it represents the NBA. <laughs> it's kind of like I don't know, a little bit biased. I don't know. They have writers mm-hmm. on their site, but it's, I just found it a little bit strange. But I kind of want to read you these starters and get your opinions, and then we can kind of discuss our starters as well. Um, mm-hmm. We'll do the reserves next week. Um, so for the West, and this is NBA.com. Um, this is Sean Powell writing this. Um, he has LeBron James, um, Nikolai Jokic, Kawhi Leonard, Damian Lillard. And Luka Doncic, and then on the East he has Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kevin Durant, Joel Embiid, Bradley Beal, and Jalen Brown. Mm. Um, so for me, I think my difference, I, I feel kind of rotten doing this, but Steph Curry is the best shooter in the game right now. And just looking at their stats, I mean, and looking at the standings, it is so close. I mean, look at Steph. If you compare Steph and Damian Lillard, and I love Damian Lillard too. I mean, it's it breaks my heart. It's like kind of picking like which kid you love the most. I mean, it's just... <laughs> um, but looking at the standings so far, the Golden State Warriors, they're 11-9, which I think it's a surprise. I think people... I don't know if people were necessarily thinking they're going to be that much of a factor. And mm-hmm. with Portland... I wasn't. Yeah, they are ten and eight. So you could say, are they a disappointment? What's what's the deal here? And then looking at these stats, Damian Lillard has a slight points. I mean, he has the better stats besides rebounds. Um, I mean, Dame is almost averaging thirty points with twenty nine point six. You have Steph Curry at twenty seven point seven, six assists. I think just because of the surprise factor and how much he means to his team in terms of measuring okay how is this team performing um compared to their expectations i I go with steph Mm -hmm. it's really it's really really close um i think other than that i I really like luca i think with the others i don't with in terms of guards i don't necessarily think they're too much of a factor here and i think you bring up a good point matt earlier in terms of just going through all these guards um in the um, western conference I agree with you. The East is much tougher to pick 
because now we're in this weird situation with like a Kyrie Irving, like in the East, which we'll get to a second. Like he's just been inactive, but obviously he's an All Star, just how despite oh, yeah. how we feel about him. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's tough to. I mean, you can't give it to him just based on when he's out. But at the same time, if you just go on on play, of course. So it's just that's where it's an iffy situation compared to the West. The competition is not so much there. Um, before I pass it to you, Matt, Matt, I just want to plug this um, allstar.com um, um, voting site. It's pretty sweet. Um has mm. all the stats of the guys, and it has kind of the, the floor, and it has the positions. Really cool stuff. Um so Matt, I just want to get to your West starters. Um, what's yeah. your opinion? You said you had a tougher time with the East. Why did you think the West was easier in your mind? Well, for one thing, I so my list isn't what I necessarily think will happen. Let me clarify okay. that. Sure, this is my list, and my list, I definitely waited in to make the picks a little bit easier because it is sure. tough. I waited in also. How is this team performing? And as we'll talk about next week for the reserves, it also factors into how many players uh, you have earned on this all-star squad. So like if you're a losing team, you have two guys doing all the work. I'm looking at you, Washington Wizards. Yeah. You're not going to get two all-stars in my book. So, no. so teaser Agreed. for that. Um, but uh, in the West, you know, with Curry and Dame Lillard, I said, why not both for my starters? Oh. Uh, I like both of them in there. I know this likely isn't going to happen because Luca is putting up 27, nine and nine. That's amazing. People love Luca, rightfully so. He's and a fan one of the, yeah, yeah. And he's one of the best watches in the NBA. Yeah. But for me, we talked about earlier how the Mavericks have lost five for straights. Sure. I get it. So he is absolutely an all-star. I'm not questioning that at all. He is in my all-star reserves, but uh, he is not a starter. And interesting. I, I just wanted to mention Curry and Dame Lillard are on the same narrative trajectory this year they both have squads that are dealing with major injuries especially multiple injuries if you look at portland yeah. uh, obviously we know about clay on the warriors so there's kind of a a similar narrative there in that these are guys that are carrying their teams to winning records in the traditionally more uh deep and competitive west so th- for, for my book and with the numbers that they are putting up, I mean, 27, five and six for Curry, 29, four and seven for Dame, that warrants starting for both of them. Okay, moving forward from that, LeBron is a starter. It's going to happen. He maybe doesn't have the gigantic numbers, but it's still 25, seven, seven. And they are, well, I guess the Jazz are the best team in the West at the time of this recording, but Correct. the Lakers are the overwhelming favorite and they are a top yeah. three team in, in the West. Um, so LeBron gets a spot in my book. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, because I do need to give a tip of the cap to the Clippers and Kawhi has pretty decent numbers there as well. 25, five and five. And again, that is a top three team in the West right now for center. I don't think this is arguable, but it could be Anthony Davis sneaks in with the fan vote and Denver being a smaller market. My opinion, Jokic should be that starting center. 25, 11, and 8 is his averages on the season. And Denver has worked their way back up. I believe they are uh, the fourth seed right Correct. now at the moment yes. in the West. So mm-hmm. um, so that's my starting five. I, I guess it differs greatly with the other list that you mentioned. Um, 
but I, you know, there's going to be a lot of stuff, especially next week when we get into the reserves, that's going to be some really, really tough. tough decisions. Yeah. Yeah. What are, sure. what is your starting five? How does yours differ from mine? Um, I have, basically I have Steph, um, Luca. I, I don't know. I, it's tough. It's, it's tough. I, I really like, amazing. I like, I just think the guy's game is pretty sensational. Um, I, I have LeBron. I think he's the MVP candidate. Um, I have Kawhi and I have Nikolai Jokic. I just think with the Joker, especially, you know, the Nuggets, they were just floundering. And it's so weird because you look at the standings here, it is bizarre. Like, just looking <laughs> yeah. at it, it, it's without trying to curse, it's weird. Like, <laughs> you look mm-hmm. at so the Nuggets are 11 and 8, right? And then you have Memphis at 8 and 6, and the Suns are 10 and 8, and the Portland Trailblazers are 10 and 8. The Warriors are 11 and 9, so like, they're the eighth seed. I mean, but they have the same amount of wins as the Nuggets do mm-hmm. and have one more loss. And yet they're the eighth seed along with them with the Spurs, the Rockets. I bet the Rockets are very underrated. I think they have a great team. Um, mm-hmm. I agree. They, they're going to be a factor. I know we're kind of veering off from All-Star, but I, I guess my point is, is with Luka, I don't think it's such a massive disparity in terms of the Mavericks, yeah, they've been a disappointment, but mm-hmm. the way this season's so weird, when going four to really thirteen, I would say four four through fourteenth, honestly, with the Pelicans. I mean, they're seven and eleven. I mean, that's not too True. far out. It's, I would say, performance. Unless you're the Timberwolves, like you're a disgrace. That's four and fourteen. Clearly, you're a bad team with that record. Mavericks so, are eight and twelve. Is that right? Yes, correct. Okay, so yeah, they're it's not right, terrible. Yeah. yeah, so I would, so it, it makes you feel better keeping Luca in that top five, but I get it. Just swapping him out and just having Dame and, and Steph Curry starting together that that totally makes sense. But I think, like you said, that the fan vote, I just think he's super popular, and I think that's what's going to be interesting because you know Damian Lillard's popular, Steph's popular, and so is Luca. So it's like that's where it's going to get tough. Like you said, with the reserves, like. It's just it's always brutal at guard. It's just, it's always the case, and I mean this year is no different. Well, and to fight against my own point about Dame Lillard, mm-hmm. I, I'm still going to keep my list. I'm not yeah. going to waver on this, but yeah. um, but you know, you Luca has a case to say. You know, Matt, you're arguing that Dame Lillard and Steph Curry are carrying these teams. Look what I'm doing on the Mavs 24 seven. That's true. <laughs> I don't. I don't have the option of a third great player on my team at this yeah. point in time. Sure. Um, so I. I think that's totally fair. You know, as as these lists tend to do, we're kind of splitting hairs between two phenomenal players. Agreed. Um, did you have anything else on the West starters? You want to move on to the East? No, we'll have plenty more for reserves. So yeah, let's hit up the East. Um, so- did you want to look take a look at that article first? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, again, the, the writer of this article, Sean Powell, NBA.com, had Giannis, um, had Kevin Durant, had Joel Embiid, who I'm just a massive fan of, um, Bradley Beal, and Jalen Brown. Um, and then I think my sentiments, it, it's just so tough because, mm-hmm. like, I can't pick Kyrie Irving. There's just no way he's missed too much of this season. That's impossible. Same thing with James Harden. I, especially guys switching teams, that's just weird to me in terms of switching conferences. And I think just the way his stats went down when he left, I don't think that's deserving of being an all-star. Like, I understand being, like, not, you know, 
liking where you're at or at a particular you know job whatever that makes sense that's relatable but <laughs> this is like a reward so it's like it's one thing to be like entitled to have that decision it's another to be like rewarded for it that's just two different mm -hmm. things so i i don't necessarily think he's a starter in that sense um there's other guys putting up killer stats um in terms of ban Abobayo and, and zach levine we, we were talking about him um earlier um trey young i think he has um exceed expectations this this is what we'll get in when we're you know hopping in the the starters and i think i i, I uh misspoke i think it was jalen brown uh that's got the um, starting nod in the nba.com article and jason tatum that's you know on that bubble i apologize um and we were just talking we'll um you'll listen to the interview with Adam Taylor talking about Jalen Brown and how it's very interesting how, you know, Jason Tatum was the people were saying like he was going to be the, the front runner um, and the MVP candidate of this team, but see Jalen Brown's taking control of it. So I mm. find that rather interesting um, in terms of my starters. They don't vary too much to be honest. I feel you with the war with the wizards thing. I, they get one person in there. That's Bradley Beal. Everybody else can go kick rocks. Um, <laughs> I agree. I think Kevin Durant's been spectacular this season. I don't think it's a bummer that, at least in my opinion, uh, not enough has been made as his comeback. Like that's like miraculous. And I think mm. him and you know Brianna Stewart. I, it's it, it tells you the, I guess the advancement of modern medicine that this would be that's just a brutal injury, and you know you'd be your career be over. Look at Kobe, right? Like that mm -hmm. finished him and Kobe knows no one's a harder worker than Kobe Bryant. And it just he wasn't the same. So I think it's pretty cool just to see Durant despite how I feel about him, um, him really not only being like he was, but being the leader of a stacked Brooklyn Nets team. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm happy with the this starting five lineup. I think it echoes my sentiments. I don't honestly looking at this. I know they, and we'll talk about this more in the reserves without hopping too much into it. Like Ben Simmons, not really. Um, you know, Kyrie Irving, maybe. Gordon Hayward, maybe. Um, I like Julius Randle. He's had a nice season. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have Sabonis of the Pacers. So, I, yeah, I think where the, the reserves is going to get a little bit difficult, but it seems like he had an easy, he had a, a harder time with the East. Um, I want to hear your starters if, if it you know varies from mine and the NBA.com list. Yeah, it does just slightly. Um, I think I can I can make sense out of this, but uh, <laughs> but we'll try. Uh, <laughs> so KD, absolutely, hundred percent. He's a starter. Thirty-seven and five are his exactly. averages right now. Yeah. I mean, incredible. Um, Giannis, MVP last year, multiple time MVP. 27, 11, and 5 are his averages, and the Bucks are still doing very well. You see some of the same trends that we talked about in the West, where most of the teams kind of close to 500, there's a worse bottom on the East still, though, compared to the West. Agreed. Um, Jalen Brown uh, makes my starting team to give a nod to the Celtics for one thing. Uh, but also for having to carry a little bit more of the load while Jason Tatum was out for a little over two weeks there. Um, and the M Embiid, who is the front runner for the MVP award this year, Joel Embiid and the Sixers being the top team in the East right now. I, I think nobody's going to argue Joel Embiid being the starting center on this yeah. all-star team where I kind of, 
differ from the list um, is that I, I did, and it pains me to do so, full disclosure, I am a Houston Rockets fan, but I did put James Harden in his numbers, okay. even with slacking dragon weight at the end there with the Rockets. He was 24, 6, and 11. Honestly, had Kyrie just played during that time that he took a sabbatical, I would be happy to slot him in James Harden's place, but Kyrie didn't play. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, is is it ideal? Is it rewarding bad behavior? No, it's not ideal. Yes, it's rewarding bad behavior, but um, he's he's still putting up incredible yes. numbers on the Nets. So I have to give him that. Um, and I think it also reflects um, the Nets. I mean, all, all three of those guys are going to be all-stars. And, and that's what the Nets are. That's what the top of the East looks like it's going to be for the next couple of years. I mean, they are the narrative in the league. I think that will help drive fan votes in spite of James Harden's behavior. Um, but, you know, I also, uh, feelings aside, I have to give it to James Harden. I mean, he's one of the most efficient offensive players we've ever seen in the history of the sport. If we have an, an all-star game, I guess, what do you make of the game itself? Because... You know, we talk about this every year in terms of, you know, players trying, how many minutes they're going to play, how competitive the game's going to be, how entertaining it is, and there's no fans. So what's truly going to be the motivation in playing this exhibition game that means, you know, next to nothing? I mean, we had a thing last year with just modifying the rules. Will that happen this year? Are you Are you even excited to see this game considering the time that we're in? I mean... I mean, I think that's another factor, too, from a fan standpoint. This, is, this will be cool to see without any fans. I mean, what, what do you make of this? Do you see the game maybe being better without any fans being there? Just because I think with All-Star Weekend, it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of like the Super Bowl in terms of I get the sense that maybe uh, I might get killed at saying this in the comments. I don't generally think there's like hardcore basketball fans there. I think it's more like a corporate event rather mm. than like I think that's know, fair. Your, hardcore basketball fans being there. So, so what do you make of, you know, if we see this game on TNT, are you going to be excited just to watch this at all? Well, I, I guess that depends. I mean, are they going to do the Elam ending? Shout out yeah. to the tournament. That's true. Hashtag TBT. Yeah, um, right. You know, I, I think you can make this very entertaining with the Elam ending, and you can make this very impactful as well if you do the charity component that they did during when they tried that and you gear it towards COVID relief. That's right. Um, I, yeah. I think there's a huge opportunity here to at least spin this as a positive for that, because I, I do see a lot of naysayers on Twitter, which granted that's just about all you see on Twitter. Let's be honest. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I do see a lot of people tweeting out like, why is this even happening? Why are we even doing this? Which if you want to go that route, you're going to extrapolate to let's cancel everything, shut everything down. And and I just don't know that that's a realistic option. And it's, it's just a matter of fact, people are trying to go on with their lives as best they can, as safely as they can. Yes, of course. Um, so I, I think a way you can make this feel good and make the general public, the casual fan who hasn't been tuning into the regular season feel good about this is Elam ending because it's interesting, and then you tie that charity towards COVID relief in communities. Are you talking about online? Is it negativity towards the game itself or having an all-star team? All-star team, no. 
okay. just picking the team. Yeah, I haven't seen anyone talk against that, thankfully. Okay. Although right. I'm sure you you get in the yeah. deep holes of Twitter. I'm sure you can find that. But I uh, believe it, yeah. But yeah, no, mostly okay. the negative talk around having the game. The game. Which we'll okay. see what happens. It, it could be very realistic that they, the NBA decides, hey, this is an exhibition. We're not going to do it. Uh, that's mm-hmm. that's very much a possibility on the table. I personally, I would like to see it happen. We've done other games all throughout the year, but you know, maybe maybe it is a smart move in a business decision, uh, depending on how many games are being postponed. If the league says, um, you know, hey, we we would have the All Star break here, but we want everyone to go home, be healthy, um, you know, stick with your family, but. You know, don't get in big groups, et cetera. Follow, follow the guidelines of your state and, and of the league. And we come back and we have less postponed games when we come back. Hopefully, knock on wood, obviously. Well, it's tough because All-Star Weekend, even though players, they, they like that time off. They also, they also like going to the host venue itself. Like, it's kind of like, it's a, I don't know how to describe it. I've never been to it, but just watching the festivities all my life and just watching you know everything from like nbc like being a kid just watching like the mascots play games with each other to just all the other festivities like the older players the practices it's really just kind of a convention of basketball for like three or four days and it's like kenny smith he uses this comparison all the time it's basically a you know it's a trading card convention but the trading cards are real you're just walking past you so Mm -hmm. i think the problem is with having an all-star game is that are you going to have, I mean, are you going to have all the players isolated in a bubble? Are you going to have them go around their business? Are you just going to fly down, hey, that Sunday, fly down there, play the game, leave? How many practices are you going to have? I mean, there's a lot of logistics to work out. How, how many players are going to be like COVID, like COVID protocols? So to me, that's where I think the hurdles are going to remain. I mean, just selfishly, I mean, I love All-Star Weekend. I me honestly, too. nowadays, I look forward to it more than the Super Bowl, to be quite honest with you. Um, it'd Me be a too. bummer not to have it. At the same time, I just know logistically with all the games being um, canceled due to COVID, I don't know how they're going to pull it off. Now, I mean, we have all of February, right? There's the vaccines. They are available. I know Adam Silver has expressed that it would be, I guess, a good thing to have the NBA players vaccinated just to show it's just the increase awareness to get people to get vaccinated. I think it's mm-hmm. more of a business movie. It's once his players vaccinated. So Agreed. the games are not postponed. I mean, let's not get it twisted. I love Adam Silver, but I think it's, there's business reasons behind it. For sure. Um, I think if the players are vaccinated, then I think it increases the chances of having an all-star game. But I think if you're postponing games, ultimately, I just don't know why you would have an all-star game if you're trying to make up so many games in the schedule this really make too much sense to me so this month is critical it is, it is kind of depends on, on what on what how the league progresses in dealing with the pandemic i think you're right and, and the narrative has shifted just about every every single day we have ups and downs yeah. uh you know i mean just uh two weeks ago hearing that like the grizzlies are canceling not only one game they're postponing, they said they're postponing the next three games on their schedule. So if we have more teams popping like that, that's a situation where the all-star game will get canceled because it'll be bad optics for Adam Silver to come up on a podium and address the press and say, Hey, we're powering through to have this, you know, some would say pointless exhibition game. I mean, obviously you and I love the spectacle. We're biased. We want it to happen if it can happen. Um, but 
Um, yeah, I, I just think it's going to, the next two weeks are going to be huge during this voting for one thing, while the media is heavily, heavily talking about the possibility of the all-star game, it's the league itself is going to be under a microscope and the schedule itself. And that ultimately I think is what drives whether this happens or not, because the NBA tends to, to react to these, um, these heavy media narratives. Um, and you know, if, if you just see a certain amount of cases, um, I mean, you, you could certainly say if they cancel the all-star game, I, this is also a, a time that's very typical for players to take a midseason vacation. Um, and I don't, I don't know that players are going to be, um, you know, strict and diligent about following the rules during this amount of time off. So you could almost argue that players are going to be, and obviously 24 players are, are all-stars if we're doing the all-star game, but uh, you could argue that this is a way to have more monitoring too, these players are getting tested while they're there before the game, et cetera. You know, it's maybe kind of a, a tough argument to make, but um, like I said, it's the next couple of weeks are going to be massive. Yeah. It's risky. And I think also from a money perspective, I mean, for, from TNT, that's a big day on our calendar, right? Not only the game itself, but you know, all star Saturday nights. And then a lot of their programming, their new shows are framed around um, all star weekend. So that that'll be a big blow to them not getting the All Star game. So that's a factor also. So there's many there's there's money and corporate greed if you want to characterize it as that um, at play. Um, is there anything else, Matt, you wanted to add before we uh, say goodbye this week? Oh man, let me grab my notes here. We have oh. a couple interesting games yeah. this week. I mean, basically the major network games as usual are are very interesting. I, I think this week even more interesting than last week. Like Tuesday night on TNT, we've got Clippers Nets. I mean, that has stars written all over it. Tuesday night, we also have the second game on TNT is Boston versus Golden State. Uh, again, another excellent watch. Um, on Wednesday, we have on ESPN, Indiana versus Milwaukee. Interestingly enough, those two teams have the same record right now. Uh, something that you and I are going to talk about next week in the All-Star Reserves is the incredible play of uh, Sabonis and Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah. Uh, I mean, those guys, there's there's an argument for them to be in the All-Star Reserves for sure, both of them, uh, with the numbers they're putting up and with what the Pacers are doing. Uh, I believe they're sitting in fourth right now in the East. Uh, and those are two contenders in the same division. So interesting game there on Wednesday. On Thursday, Golden State takes on Dallas, just Curry versus Luka. That's going to be fun to watch no matter the result there. Uh, and then you also have Denver versus the Lakers, a repeat of the Western Conference Finals. And those Thursday games are on TNT. So be sure to check those out. Watch the recaps. If you can't get to watching the games, you can always watch the recaps on YouTube as well uh, after the game is up. So those should be really interesting. I'm looking forward to all those games. Um, and I'm looking forward to more of these all-star uh, reserve debates and discussion and just, uh, just kind of Feeling like a, a little bit, I mean, knock on wood, I, I'm feeling optimistic that we are getting into a more regular rhythm for this season. So I, I'm excited. Yeah, me too. Seems uh, like we got over a speed bump with some of I, these postponements. I, 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 hope. I hope so. I hope so. Me too. I think February is going to be critical. If we can make it through February, hopefully we can get some semblance of normalcy. 
Um, I'm going to wrap things up, but I'm just going to promote some of our um, other guests we've had on so far. Um, we had an awesome chat with the host of Gen Z Hoops, um, yes. Jared Hardafilis. Um, a great chat. We also had Casey Kiernan on last week of um, AM Hoops, the YouTube mm-hmm. channel. Um, still have our interview up with um, Blake Murphy from The Athletic. Um, Chris Manning, that was a fantastic chat. Um, we've had Blake Hyken from Bleacher Report, Eric Woodyard from ESPN, um, talking sneakers. So if you're into to, with um, talking sneakers at all, John Gotti and Jock Slade um, have those interviews up along with Richard Deitch. Still have Kerry Champion and along with the other interview library as well. Um, Matt, we're almost approaching the one-year anniversary of our relaunch. Oh, man. Oh, and, man. Um, we God, still I can't have, believe it. I know, right? That'll be in April, I believe, or late March, I think. Let me go back and just check if I have the dates on here. Um, it was April. So April 19th um, wow. is when we relaunched. So Time if flies. you want to check, go back and listen to our last dance recaps. Um, we have all of those. Um, we have some special guests breaking down that documentary as well. Um, so if you, if you just want to relive again that that time in history, not in terms of like how bummer it was with the pandemic, but just in terms of everybody um, being captivated by the Chicago Bulls of the 90s, please go check out our recap. I'm really fun doing that as well. Um, get in touch with us on social media. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. Just type in Hoopsology. We're on Instagram. And we're on all your favorite podcasting platforms. And a special shout-out to you, Matt, for um, – cultivating our YouTube page, all of our um, interviews, and just our quick takes are on our YouTube page as well. Um, that's updated on a daily basis, so please go check that out as well. Definitely. We got the short form on YouTube if you're more the YouTuber type, and then obviously if you're listening yeah. to this, you're probably here in the podcast anyway. Regardless, we appreciate you listening. Thank you so much for your support. For sure. So for Matt Thomas, I am Justin Goodrum. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, and we'll talk to you next time. Peace.